Welcome to Antimatterpod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext and subspace, hosted by Annika and Liz. Today we're discussing the Star Trek Prodigy Season 1 episodes, Ghost in the Machine and Mind Walk. But first, a quick question for you, Annika. How are you doing? I am very well, actually. I Good. have to say that I, I got COVID, I caught it from daycare which, you know, it was like, of course, of course, Mm. it was Mm. inevitable Mm. that I would catch it from daycare. (laughs) I avoided it in so many ways. And then (laughs) children caught me in the end. But I will say that, and everyone that I've said this to has informed me that it must be the vaccines doing their job. Mm. I had symptoms only for three days. And only one of those was it really, really bad. I did, like you said, you told me to rest and mm-hmm. I did that. I just did nothing. <laughs> I, my main symptom was freezing. I was so, so cold all oh. the time. If I wasn't like in a hot shower, I was cold. Mm. But I got like four blankets and camped out on the sofa and just watched TV. And then weirdly, I finally fell asleep and had like a good night's sleep. I hadn't had a good night's sleep in like weeks. Mm. And then I finally fell asleep completely, slept all the way through the night. And when I woke up the next morning, it was like I had been healed. Amazing. It was a very, very strange, like I've never had that experience in terms of illness before to just be like, I am very sick and now I am not. And I feel better now than I did beforehand. It's weird. You've had a very stressful I was going to say year, more like very stressful three years at least. Three years. <laughs> and what you really needed was those days on the couch with your pile of blankets, yeah. being sick, but also resting from everything else. Yeah. I, you know, you don't want to say, oh, well, getting sick is, is what <laughs> fixed me after so long. But I got, it's like I got so much more done because I took the time out to do nothing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I know that feeling. Now, I am not a doctor, but one of my friends has long COVID and one of the specialists treating her says, when you're in this recovery stage, do not push yourself too hard. And you will know when you've pushed yourself too hard because suddenly you can't do anything else. So try to keep resting. Yeah, try to try not to hit that point. But when you do, don't keep pushing. I am very excited to report that I have a half day next Wednesday and then I don't have to come back to work until the new year. Amazing. (laughs) So I have from the afternoon of the 21st until the 3rd. So I am very excited to do nothing for some more weeks. Oh, you've earned it. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about some Star Trek. You know, we, we didn't plan to do every two weeks. But we've done it twice now, and I think we're, we're doing it again next week because next week is literally Christmas. Yes. And we're, we're not recording on literally Christmas. <laughs> but it, it's worked out because there's sort of like little episodes that go together. And yeah. And it, it's been okay. It's been okay. And so these two episodes I uh, describe as classic hijinks. I mean, they are, but they're advancing the plot in really interesting ways. And... Two tropes that I do not love are the holodeck episode and the body swap episode because they're so often just awful and an excuse for the actors to have fun and that's great but am I the audience having fun? Not necessarily. And in traditional prodigy fashion 
they've done a holodeck episode and now a body swap episode that I adored. It was pretty impressive. The animation allows you to do more mm. with the holodeck episodes. So this holodeck episode, it was clearly influenced by Into the Spider-Verse. Oh yes, definitely. And Into the Spider-Verse was a huge step up in animation. I think that movie is amazing and they take so many liberties with what they're doing. Yeah. And they just have fun and they just do it. And Prodigy also is so smartly done that I can see how Into the Spider-Verse begat Prodigy, where, you know, Prodigy doesn't have the same amount of money. It's not for the big screen, but they were inspired by that idea that we can go through different genres and mix and match and have it be very colorful and then very noir and like use the medium of animation to help tell the story of yes. these holodeck episodes. Whereas in a normal holodeck episode, it's confined by the reality of yes. what's happening. These are actors in costumes on a set. And it's very funny you say that when this is also the first time we see someone looking in on the holodeck and seeing what's actually physically happening there, which is a bunch of people standing in a blank room. Amazing. It's great. It shows a real confidence in both their own storytelling and their willingness to play with Star Trek stuff, which is mm -hmm. just what makes Prodigy great all around. And I had not made the connection with Spider-Verse until you pointed it out, but now I'm thinking about how each of the settings on the holodeck is a little bit cartoonish in a really subtle way. Right. And again, you wouldn't get that with live action. Right. But because they have the ability to lean into that, mm. they can make it be a little bit... It's not like Prodigy is ever realistic, because it is animated mm. and it is painted, but it's grounded in reality. Yeah, and then they play with that. They play with that because the ho that's what the holodeck is. The holodeck is supposed to be fantastical. Mm. In theory, you're supposed to be able to go onto the holodeck and say, I want to be a cartoon character and get it, right? Like yes. That's, that's what the promise of a holodeck is. And so I think that it's it's great that they, that they were able to do that. Mm. And also they knew when to stop because I'm sure there is the temptation to go, hey, we're an animated series, we could do the holodeck characters or the backgrounds in traditional animation style. And I think that would have been super fun and super clever and also incredibly distracting from the story. Which is actually quite dark. This is a story of using their escapism to manipulate them. That's literally Prodigy in a nutshell. Actually yes. quite dark. <laughs> It's Nickelodeon Kids Show. Woo. <laughs> I love your note here that the holodeck is a personality test. And Zero, who is defined by their curiosity, is basically a big nerd. And there's like the whole Sherlock Holmes thing with the key club, but also it's an escape room. Yes. I love this. <laughs> Where is the Zero... Dixon Hill mashup. Oh my god! That needs to happen. Come on, it's right there. With Murph as his like nightclub informer. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh! Some Super someone, fun. and it might have to be me, has to draw that. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then Jank and Pog as the Street Fighter, which breaks oh, my heart. It does. He's beating up adult Tellerites like the ones who, once again, took this disabled orphan child and sent him into space. So wrong. Everything about Jacob is really heartbreaking. I know. But, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a real boon, and mm. I'm gonna say that his storyline it could be any silly action flick, right? But I was like, what if it was Fast and Furious? <laughs> because then Jankum Pog would get a family and he would get to, you know, to have that. And I was like, so I want Jankum Pog to join the Fast and the Furious Aww. universe and drive a fancy car and be, you know, beloved for his flaws. Like everybody in that franchise. It made me think of the punks in Mariner's holo novel in the latest season of Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. And they're their sort of, you know, they're almost a distraction. And here, they're a distraction, but they're also like really psychologically intense. Jenkum, Jenkum, I think you need a counselor. Jenkum definitely needs a counselor. Of all of them, he is the one who I I'm concerned about. Yeah, because he is not actually dealing with his trauma in a healthy way. No, I feel that the others are. He had to be, you know, drawn out to even mm. tell his story, mm. and you know, be given a safe space for that, and even then was still sort of telling it as this crazy funny thing happened to me. Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> you know, let's have some ice cream. Jake and bug. So I do worry about him. I think that he needs, he needs some space to cry. I realized I've been really depressed this last year, maybe longer. So I womaned up and I got a mental health plan and I saw a psychologist and I had to talk about myself for an hour. And But she was like, it sounds like from your childhood to your adult career, you look after people. And I think that's the same with Jenkin. He fixes things and he doesn't, yes. doesn't know how to do anything else. And he isn't able to fix himself. Right. Or even acknowledge that he needs fixing. Mm. And I don't mean that in a, like, he's broken way. I no, mean that no. in a, he needs therapy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there is a difference. He had a really hard childhood, and they all did. We we know they all did, but he is healing the least from it, and that's really interesting. Like just a few weeks ago, we were saying Jenkin was the flattest character, and now I can go back and rewatch the season, and I will. And there is so much happening with Jenkin Pog. They just had to give us the insight, the context yeah, yeah. for what his story actually is, and now it's like oh. Jacobog. I love that they held that back. That mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. gave us space to go, this guy, what's his deal? Mm -hmm. And then to appreciate how much more there is to it. Right. It's good yes. writing. This show is well written. You say that every week. It keeps being true. Wait, but it's true. I know. I'm not going to apologize for it. It's amazing how well written this show is. Absolutely. It's, just, it's so tight and it's so smart and I just love everyone. This is a series where we could have Murph's nightclub act and it's weird but I like it. It's hilarious. <laughs> Murph, it's 
all of the characters, you know, their mouths drop open and they stare. Mm. And I was like, same. I am having the exact same reaction to this because it is absurd. Yes. And it's almost, it's like playing on so many, again, Star Trek tropes. Yes. The nightclub singer on the holodeck and yet taking it in a completely different way. (laughs) Because, you know, Murph can't even talk. Yeah. We can't speak our language. (laughs) It's amazing. Until just recently, there was a question mark over whether he was sentient. And now we know how he spends his spare time and it's completely weird. It's weird for a kid and it's weird for Murph specifically. And you just have to sit there and go like, Murph literally like went to the holodeck, found all the options (laughs) and chose this. Yes. Yes. This isn't the one that spoke to him. And it is sort of a Dixon Hill thing. Like, it starts out and it's like the Dixon Hill hologram in First Contact. And then the piano player, Murph's accompanist, accompanist, the piano player looks like René Aubergenois. Not like Odo, but René mm-hmm. Aubergenois. Right. It's just the smallest, weirdest little detail. Like, first, can we go back to DS9 and... Photoshop Murph in for Vic Fontaine because I think Murph is a much better option. It's so weird and so so fun. So great. (laughs) Then Rock Talk of course has her fluffy animal game and you say Neopets. I was going to say something like Animal Crossing but like this could be a phone Mm -hmm. game. It is outrageous that this Delta Vet clinic is not immediately available on everyone's iPhone. What is wrong with you, Paramount? I don't know. I would pay the $6. They don't even have the Prodigy Blu-ray or DVD out for Christmas. Anyway, we've had this discussion. We've, we've talked had the about discussions. this. I mean, all of these could be a phone game. Oh, but yeah. Brock Tuck's Neopets is just, you, you wouldn't even have to, you just find one of those old games. Yeah. And you just slap it on and go. Mm. I mean, even if they just wanted to do it as a phone-style game in the browser at StarTrek.com, think like, this time of year when everyone's looking for ways to procrastinate. Everyone would go and, like, you get to, like, put in your name and you could make your own little Star Trek profile. And then you play the game and you collect your little creatures and rock talk would pop up to give you hints oh my god put us in charge paramount (laughs) whoever's in charge of your merchandise we will take take us (laughs) but i particularly love it like of course she loves the little girl animal game but also it does let her use you know the scientific method and her scientific knowledge yeah yeah it's It's a little it's a little it's a scientist game. Yeah, yeah. Which again, what isn't this exist? It's the perfect game. I don't know. They should have a little web series where every week animated rock talk pops up to talk about a different type of science. Right, because she wants to learn all of them. Yes! That's her whole thing. You remember how Sequest had the marine biologist pop up at the end of every episode in the first season? These kinds of things were at the end of, like, He-Man. Yeah! The most ridiculous, 
toy-based television mm. series mm. had these little pop-up people to tell you, you know, the fun lesson from this week. But they could be doing this on TikTok. You know, it's, it's a completely different franchise, but House of the Dragon has an outstanding TikTok channel. It brought us the Negroni Spagliato. What's your drink of choice? A Negroni. I was going to say the same Spagliato. Mm. With Prosecco in it. Oh, stunning. Yeah. Why right? isn't Paramount Plus doing that? Again. Again. Put us in charge. Put us in charge. There's so many wasted opportunities. <laughs> And then Dahl is a pirate, but at first I thought this was the ship from Star Trek Generations. <laughs> Which is kind of like a pirate. I mean, the British Navy, pirates. They're close to it, yeah. Yeah. Pretty, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Different sides of the same coin. <laughs> We've seen our flag means death. Pirate Dahl is almost lazy. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of of let's, you know, let's give Dahl something to do. That is mm. obviously Dahl's game. He wants to be captain more than anything else, and so he's not going to stop being captain even when he goes in the holodeck. Right, and he wants a crew who, you know, respect him totally because it's a game right. and therefore it's a, safe, it's a safe place for him to make mistakes. Right, which is great. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm fine with it. It's just they put more thought into Murph. <laughs> I don't dislike Dahl's game, but I feel like they took the first option that came along. Right. And I guess they wanted something that they could like incorporate one of Rock's Neopets as a monster, but you could do that with, yes. a lot of, with a lot of things. I just think they could have dug a bit more deeper, which is not to say I disliked it in any way. No. It's fine. And then your note here is, does Gwyn not use the holodeck or are the writers afraid of a teen girl's fantasy? I think it is a valid question. I think it's a valid question, but I think the answer is probably no, because there are a lot of women in the writer's room. There are the Benson sisters, among others, and mm -hmm. they all seem pretty upfront about what their fantasies yes. were as teenagers. Some of them seem to have included O'Connor. I do think it is more of a time issue. Yes, but it's also characterization. It tells us so much about Gwyn that she doesn't have an open fantasy life like mm -hmm. this. It could be that Gwyn is afraid of her teen girl's fantasy. Oh, that's much more interesting. It did cross my mind that there are two teenage boys in this group and therefore we could have gone a lot... We could have gotten a lot worse than what we did. Oh, sure. It's kind of cool to speculate about what Gwyn's romantic fantasies are, but also the kind of adventures she would allow herself. I kind of wanted Gwyn to be the pirate captain. Oh man, that would have been so much is cooler. I'm, is what I'm saying. Yeah. That again, because I I have a very good idea of who Dahl is, and we've even seen Dahl on the holodeck mm. before. If we had to cut somebody out, mm. I would cut mm. out Dahl and have Gwyn's fantasy be merged mm. with rocks. Gwyn the pirate queen. Yeah. Gwyn the I, pirate queen. I really agree, but I also do think it says something about her as a character that she doesn't pursue this yes. and they did need someone who doesn't use the holodeck to comment on the weirdness of just going mm -hmm. into this room and pretending to be like that's weird right <laughs> and so Gwyn spends her leisure time studying or working out and I really hope that we get an episode I guess there are, there's not much opportunity left but I really hope we have them go into the holodeck and see Gwyn playing Dahl's pirate program 
And her being yes. embarrassed and denying it, but also being a really good pirate captain. You know, we were just saying that Jankum is the one who is not dealing with his trauma. But Gwyn is... I feel like Gwyn thinks that she has to be the adult. Yes. And is not allowing herself to have fun. Yes, and I think that's a really common trait in a teenage girl, especially in a group with several boys. And she also has, you know, guilt. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like I shouldn't get something I like and something that makes me feel good. Yes. Then the first episode of Avatar The Last Airbender, Aang takes Katara penguin sledding and she says, I haven't done this since I was a kid. And he looks at her and says, but you are a kid. Part of her arc is realising that she's 14 and she doesn't have to have the weight of the world on her shoulders. And I feel like it's sort of similar for Gwyn, that she needs a space where it's safe to be a teenager. Right. And they're not going to get that right away because Holo Janeway (laughs) was working with or being manipulated by the living construct. It turns out that Holo Janeway is like the... Bucky Barnes, mind control, <laughs> lost your memories, turned you into a weapon mm-hmm. arc of the story, and I think that's kind of amazing. You know, this seems to happen with a lot of AI in Star Trek. Data was always getting taken over, the Doctor mm-hmm. was always having his ethical subroutines manipulated. I just think I wouldn't go so far as to ban AI as the Federation tried to, but maybe they should consider firewalls. I understand why the Federation bans AI and why the Federation bans arguments. Yes. I understand the underlying logic Mm -hmm. of those decisions because absolutely those are two things that can be misused. Yes. To a, you know, oops, we destroyed a world. Level of destruction. But however. yes. <laughs> however, what if we came up with other solutions? Right. Because, again, they already exist. Mm. Data already exists. Doll already exists. We can't ban people. Right. It's like the Magneto was right story. Yeah, yeah. You can't ban people for existing. You have to come up with how to make sure that their potential for world-ending destruction is tempered. (laughs) And we have, you know, protocols in place. Mm. But that's not saying you can't be here. Right. And really, deep down, don't we all have the capacity to destroy a world? I, me, Mm. actual Annika, it would take a kind of a lot for me to, like, destroy the planet sure sure Um, i'm not saying that everyone would do it right away but but an individual Mm. you know the president of the united states has a lot more opportunity to destroy the entire world if he was having a bad day that power exists so that means that just because someone like data has an easier way Mm. of being a weapon that that doesn't mean that he automatically is a weapon or that we need to outlaw him. We just need to have more safeguards, like you said, more, right. more firewalls, right. more safeguards so that that doesn't happen. And we see that, like, that actually happens. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> On the series, we see that they put in place different things to make sure mm. that people can't take over data so easily. And it seems and then, like whatever the doctor put in place to protect his subprograms subprogramming didn't go to Hollow Janeway. Although I will say that the living construct is an extremely powerful weapon from the future, so maybe she never stood a chance. I and feel I, like this is a control situation. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I could I, I could absolutely ship control with the living construct. <laughs> it's interesting to me, again, I love having so much Star Trek that has so many different audiences the audience they're writing discovery for and the audience they're writing prodigy for are not the same audience no we are watching them but that doesn't mean that we are the audience for both of these things and i love that both series are attacking those questions yes and like and taking different ways of looking at it because those are the questions you know those are questions that have been around for as long as sci-fi has been around Mm. but they are also very modern Yes, yes. They're very related to exactly what is happening right now. Their AI art issue yep, yep. is super, you know, it is, it's the same thing. It's we are giving the AI too much power and taking it away from the people who originally made the art. And, you know, what are we going to do about that? Obviously, using AI to create art is not the same as using data to destroy a planet. But it's the same question. And at some point, if this keeps progressing, we are probably going to have to ask what kind of art does the AI want to make? Right. And would the AI like to be paid for its art? I bet the AI wants crypto, though, because it's trained by... Anyway, I just want to reiterate my crack theory that the living construct is a person and is going to become a character. And mm-hmm. I want to advance that theory and say that the living construct is going to merge with Hollow Janeway and will Again. be a new character played by Kate Mulgrew next season. Like Control and the, uh, forgot her name, but... Zora! Yes, and Zora. you know I've you know I've been shipping Janeway Zora, but I think with Admiral Janeway as a regular character, it's... I don't want to say too much Janeway, but it's kind of weird to have two separate Janeways going forward. Mm. And I just think if you're going to create a new character, then why would you not give her to Kate Mulgrew and let her, who is so talented and versatile, play this new life form who, like Dahl, can't join Starfleet? Yes. Especially after Mindwalk. Yes. That Kate Mulgrew is very capable of playing like four different Janeways in, in, in the same episode. We always knew it, but we really know it. And, you know, the clip of Chakotay just emphasises the difference between Robert Beltran as a talented screen actor and Kate Mulgrew as a talented voice actor. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely incredible acting. Yeah, yeah. It, it, just amazing. And not just Kate Mulgrew. Like, I was like, oh my god, she is dull. This is amazing. But also, Brett Gray as Janeway was really, really Really. astonishing. He did so well. It was so good. I loved everything. (laughs) I I like you. I was like, oh no, I don't think I like where this is going. (laughs) And then it was the most amazing thing that ever happened. (laughs) I was just 
floored with how much fun and heartbreak was involved in the entire thing. It was amazing. I have to be honest, I had trouble watching the Dahl as Admiral Janeway scenes because I felt so much secondhand embarrassment for Janeway. And I get that any time the captain is possessed. Like, you know, the TNG episode, Allegiance? I have to watch it through my hands because there's so much embarrassment. And I actually think that's a sign of how good it was, that it triggered this primal response in me. Yes. Oh my goodness. It was like, he was so ridiculous. And it was fun because Janeway wakes up as Dahl and everyone knows immediately that something is is very wrong, that all of this crazy stuff happened. But it's also like, hey, Janeway's on our ship. This like solves all of our problems. Yes. Meanwhile, poor Dahl (laughs) wakes up on the Dauntless and everything is terrible. (laughs) <laughs> he has to pretend to be someone that he spent like 10 minutes with mm-hmm. <laughs> that he looks up to, yes. but he's never actually met. It's like this whole, it's this crazy thing where he knows her, but he also doesn't. And it doesn't cross his mind for a minute to try and imitate Hollow Jane. Right. Which I think is so typical of Dahl that he will miss the obvious solution. Like Wait, and the thing is, I think that's because he doesn't even see Hollow Janeway and Janeway the same person. Yeah! It just doesn't even occur to him that that's a true thing. Which brings us to the scene where Janeway takes care of Hollow Janeway. And, you know, ever since Deadlock in Season 2 of Voyager, anytime you get multiple Janeways in a room, it's amazing. It's like Kate Mulgrew has chemistry with everyone, but especially with Kate Mulgrew. It disappoints me a little that Hollow Janeway is still Janeway, She hasn't really evolved past that programming, but I think that they used it really, really well here in terms of showing that she has been programmed with Janeway's childhood memories and yet, and yet. Yes, go. We we know that like Hollow Janeway was created to be a hologram on the Protostar Mm -hmm. and accompany Chakotay. Whose idea was that? Yeah, I don't know because I don't think it was Chakotay's. I also don't think it was Janeway's. No, I'm sitting here going, what? It's a gimmick for the show. It was great mm. for the show. Mm. But when you start to think about like, who made this decision? Right, right. It, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't, it, it either has to be Chakotay. And he was like, I can't go back to the Delta Quadrant unless I have Janeway by my side. And everyone else is like, that is a totally normal attitude. You go. <laughs> that is what is going on that is really really weird it's a little bit strange it's a little bit strange the Mm. whole idea but Janeway knowing where to find herself yes and what to say to herself to help knowing what she needs that feeling of failing her crew is destroying her Mm. There was just a lot in that scene. It was almost shot for shot at Deadlock at one point. I was like, oh, they know me. (laughs) They did this for me. But it was also reminiscent of Endgame. But in this case, the older Janeway, the Admiral, is not from the future and still has her moral core. It was just really well done. And 
Holo Janeway regaining her memories of her original crew I think is going to be really important down the line. My new headcanon I've decided is that Admiral Paris had the idea of sending the Janeway hologram because he didn't really trust Chakotay. And Chakotay <laughs> knew that was the reason, but he was like, well, I do like Cap well, Captain Janeway a bit, so. I get, I get, a, I get a Janeway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a problem with that. I'm, mm-hmm. You know, I, like, Chakotay can be a little kinky. I'll allow it for him. It's definitely weird. It's so weird. But also, okay, so when she get, gets her memories back and they're looking at, at you know, hollows of Chakotay and Admiral Janeway asked what happened... And Hollow Janeway doesn't know. And she has this sort of moment where she's like, I know how important he is to you. Mm. And I was just, there's just so much in that scene. Hollow Janeway also ships it. (laughs) I just really, because yeah, if Hollow Janeway has Janeway's childhood memories, Mm. Then Hollow Janeway also has Janeway's Chakotay memories. Yes. And that is great. It's so messy. Like, to what extent does Hollow Janeway think of herself as a separate entity? I have a lot of questions. I don't think they're going to be answered because most of them are kind of weird and not really for kids. But (laughs) I'm happy to think about them. I love your your comment though that Janeway also can't join Starfleet like Doll. Yeah, it sort of makes them like siblings, you know. Like we have little augment twins mm. who are stuck in yeah. this. In Janeway's case, she was created by Starfleet. Yes, and so her really her her purpose in life. <laughs> is to join Starfleet Mm -hmm. and to be and embody Starfleet. And if she then became separate, but still wanted to have that, but wasn't allowed, like that's that's a lot. So there's so many layers of interesting context there. And Dahl deserves a sibling. Dahl does. And, and, you know, I've already claimed Soji as his cousin, and I think he kind of probably has a lot of cousins, but Soji is obviously the best one. And Kore, of course, if she visits this century. But I think Dahl and Hollow Janeway or Hollow Janeway merged with the Living Construct would be great. And then, of course, the Living Construct is of Gwyn's homeworld, so there's that too. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not in favour of anything that suggests that Gwyn and Dahl are family, because, ew, <laughs> I ship it, but... <laughs> because they're so in love. Oh my gosh, when Dahl as Janeway says that he would do anything for Gwyn... Oh my god! I'm My heart! <laughs> I have so many emotions! As you recall... I have been shipping Dahl and Quinn since episode one. Yes. So the fact that we are taking baby steps to getting there and we have all season Mm -hmm. and it's death. I'm not crazy. There are baby steps. Oh, no, no. I am supposed to be feeling this way. And I'm just so happy. It is such a sweet, innocent, screwed up, amazing (laughs) relationship. And I love it. I do love that it is a slow burn because, like I said, back when we started this series, neither of these kids are ready for 
a romantic entanglement and they're still not yet but they're miles from where they were and that they have sort of come to care about each other and love each other before the romance became overt that's my favorite type of ship exactly where it's a little out of order but the love is real right what is it the friends friends to lovers yeah enemies to friends to lovers they're doing it really nicely obviously not like literal lovers because again kids show but (laughs) i'm fine with sex happening off screen yeah yeah that's fine and in terms of dog when i just they're so cute doll is so cute in his devotion to her that mm. has been there all along but has grown i fully believe him when he yes. says that he would do anything for her and i know he's the captain and she's the first officer but it kind of is janeway and jacote Gwyn sort of does have a quest and mm-hmm. dal is absolutely there for her and they come from opposite sides but they've yeah. met in the middle I mean, they've met yeah. with Starfleet that's not really in the middle. I mean, I, but... I think what makes it so wholesome and heartwarming, but uh, what makes me root for them mm. is that he doesn't want anything from her. Yes, <laughs> he, yes. He doesn't have any expectations. He's just entirely like, I am going to support her mm. Mm. and be the friend that she needs and the person that she needs, however that is. And however long. Yeah. And that's all I want. I just want to be in her life. Yeah. It's really unselfish and mature, which is remarkable because for all that I love Dahl, these are not words that I have used for him yeah. in the past. Absolutely not. I, I think it's kind of brilliant, actually, to have this character who is, who struggles with selfishness and who is not consistently mature, except in this one single thing. Right. And absolutely, like, has... You know, he had that whole thing with Akana where he was totally Ooh, jealous. Yeah. So it's not like he doesn't have issues with jealousy, that he doesn't have issues mm. with self-esteem. It's just that, that he loves Gwyn in a specific way that is, I love you for you, not for me. And even when his jealousy drives him to, you know, do the Augment thing, it's not about winning Gwyn. I and mean, it's about impressing her, but... I feel like if she had said, yeah, but look at Okana, he's so great, I love him, he would have found a way to deal with that. Basically unselfish. What a good guy. And then there's the diviner. Showing a small shred of conscience in terms of the fact that he's going to destroy the Federation, but he's also going to free Janeway because she's been nice to him. (laughs) Which is so weird. (laughs) I think it's... You know, people who are incredibly racist, except for that friend who's one of the good ones. Mm-hmm. Janeway is one yeah. of the good ones. It is a very specific, like, I've decided that you are worthy of, mm. Mm. of me being nice to you for five minutes. Yes. And <laughs> it's not the first time Janeway has been met with that. And I'm sure that if it was Janeway herself, she would have seen right through it. Right, right. Doll didn't even attempt to pretend that he was Janeway in that moment. <laughs> he just said, you know, said, this is my heart. I'm going to give it to you, man. Thanks for letting me free. I am going to, you know, go, go. 
yeah do things with it and i'm and i'm just gonna take it you know just because like yay gifts <laughs> okay i will accept it bye <laughs> it's one of those moments where doll is so young yeah, where he's, yeah he's just very focused on i have to do this thing and the bad guy just let me out so now i can go do the thing and so i'm gonna go do the thing <laughs> instead of like maybe there's a bigger picture here that i'm not seeing all of no, no. he's learning and he's learning really fast but he's not there yet and it's, it's great. I feel like in that moment, the Diviner probably didn't recognize Dahl, but he knew that wasn't Janeway. Yeah. There was a, there was a face like, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Can I say, before we wrap up, that the bit where the, the Admiral is on the hull, and then she's climbing over the view screen, so yes. funny. I almost <laughs> dropped my phone. I was laughing I so hard. <laughs> it was great because that scene is actually kind of terrifying uh-huh. when you think about it. It's like these are two, they're so desperate to mm. fix this problem that they are willing to jump into space at warp. in a warp bubble. Like that is very, very dangerous. <laughs> Do not attempt at home. And it makes and... me think of the jump into space early in the second half of the season and Rock Talk's calculations. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get that calculation scene there, which is good because I didn't want to think about it too hard. And obviously at <laughs> the protostar end, they have Rock Talk and Janeway, and I'm sure that they would do amazing maths together. But Dahl is on his own and not the maths guy. So it was like this really terrifying thing and they played it for laughs and it was like, it hit just the right notes. It was what we needed. And we end and they're at the Federation and there are sure a lot of starships there. They all look (laughs) mad. Oh my goodness. It's really funny to me when they do these big scenes with lots and lots of ships, which and they've done, you know, plenty of them. Yeah. We have seen many ships in many, in many scenes because it's always in Star Trek, the motion picture when... (laughs) When, when V'ger is coming and they're like, the Enterprise is the only ship in the quadrant. <laughs> and it's like, how is that possible when you have thousands of starships? <laughs> and that's not just a, you know, that happened in Next Generation as well. Oh, yeah. So it's, oh, yeah. it's not like it was just in the past and now they have thousands of ships. No, sometimes they have thousands of ships and sometimes they only have one. Mm-hmm. Well, remember, they didn't even have the money to show the ships at Wolf 359 until the Deep Space Nine premiere. So... (laughs) Oh my goodness. Just amazing. And I'm sure some nerd is out there looking at all the ships and working out what classes and everything are there. And I wish them the best. Obviously, we are cool Trekkies who have cool opinions and have no time for nerds. There's just a lot of ships. In conclusion, ask about my living construct Zora OTP. (laughs) Thank you for listening to AntimatterPod. You can find our show notes at antimatterpod.com, including links to our social media, credits for our theme music, and transcripts of our episodes. You can also follow us on social media at Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram, all at antimatterpod. All one word. And write to us at mailofantimatterpod.com which I just checked the other day. Oh, good, because I didn't. If, if you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. And we want to be found. Yes. Amongst all the many thousands of ships. <laughs> 
And join us in two weeks when we will be discussing the final episodes of Star Trek Prodigy's first season. Yay! But once again, Paramount, please stop putting things over the holidays. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say right now that it's not actually better for it to be on New Year's than it is on Christmas, <laughs> but it's the 30th and I will be once again podcasting from my friend's basement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... I... I will be available, whereas on the 31st, I will definitely be. Oh, no, no. So... And we're not doing New Year's Eve again. Like, I'm not doing another drunk podcast instead. Oh, my God. That's right. Last time I was was, was podcasting for my friend's basement, it was 6 a.m. Good yes. time. <laughs> and it was 10 p.m. for me, and I was several drinks in. I am going to have those cocktails again, though, because they were really good. 